With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Rutgers ScoutCast 51 is here, and it's a big one. Sam Hellman, your host of the program, also your publisher over at Scarlet Report, the best place to find your Rutgers news, your Rutgers recruiting information, join a civil discussion, sometimes civil, sometimes not so much. I'm looking forward to bringing you this episode 51 today, getting close to that one-year anniversary mark. My guest on the show this week is Mike Bamanti. If you are a newer Rutgers fan, or maybe you're not a hardcore football fan, or haven't, maybe you just follow basketball or something, you might not have heard of Mike, but I think a lot of people, especially those that know me from Scarlet Report, are very familiar with who Mike Bamanti is. He played quarterback at Rutgers for four years, contributed on special teams as a Holder, and you'll certainly hear his take on how good of a holder he was. Mike Bamonte was signed by Greg Schiano as a scholarship quarterback out of Manalapan High School, played the majority of his career for Kyle Flood, and has since moved on to study in graduate school, and also he's building himself into his own college football coach. He spent one season with Dave Brock at the University of Delaware, go Hens, before Dave Brock was fired. That's kind of where Mike and I pick things up in our conversation. Instead of the traditional 10-minute interview and then a long news segment, I actually spent a good amount of time with Mike. So you're going to hear about a half-hour conversation. You're going to hear us play a little bit of a game of what happened when, uh, hey, Mike, you were there. What happened when Saeed Blacknall flipped to Penn State? Hey, Mike, you were there. What happened the day that Greg Schiano left. A lot of that stuff that normal college kids, normal college football players don't go through, but with Rutgers being the special place that it is, Mike Pimonti went through a lot, and, and the players of the last few years have been through a lot, so I'm always happy to present someone who, I won't quote the movie directly because there's bad language in there, but someone who crawled through two miles of something and came out clean on the other end. It's not an easy run to be a college athlete, and for someone that played as sparingly as Mike Bamonte did, I consider it a success story that I'm looking forward to you guys hearing what Mike Bamonte has to say. Uh, Mike Bamonte was a guy that I covered a lot in high school, and then we didn't talk for a while because him being lower on the depth chart, you're really not allowed to talk to guys that aren't playing, so... It's been good since Mike Pimonti left to get back in touch with him and get him on this show. He has a lot to say, and I think that, look, I'm not going to do this show if I don't think it's worth listening to, but I would say this interview specifically is something that even if you're not a football fan, even if you don't know who Mike Pimonti is or you're not interested in hearing from a backup quarterback, the kinds of things he says are so interesting and that's why right after we hear from our sponsor, I'm going to be excited to welcome Mike Bamonte to the show. 
my guest is, if you're a Rutgers fan, you probably know his name, maybe didn't see him on the field as much as he would have liked or I would have liked or you would have liked, but he has since moved on to a successful academic career and starting to get into coaching. Mike Bamonte, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. we got a great setup right now. For those of you who don't know, we're in the dark room right now, the rack, sitting literally in probably a two feet wide room right next to each other in a chair, so we got a great setup. Yeah, we've got a first aid kit here, we've got, <laughs> I guess it's some kind of calculator, some, yeah. I mean, chairs, a lot of poles. Yeah, it's Rutgers, you make things, this is probably very similar to your office at Delaware. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, I would say so, a lot of boxes, piece of, piece of paper all over the place. Fewer Dave Brock's yelling. Right, exactly. Yeah. Oh, a lot of that. Yeah. So, I, I guess, I guess Mike will just start at the beginning, which is... For me, it's Manalpin High School. Yeah. You're a guy that earned a Rutgers offer at camp your junior year and committed pretty quickly after that. Is that right? Yeah. Um, it's funny, you know, because I was thinking about it on my way up here, and most people probably don't even know the story of me committing. I actually called Greg Schiano, Coach Schiano, to tell. At the time, I was wrestling again. I got the offer from Rutgers, and it was down to Rutgers and Temple, and my family was big fans of, of Al Golden, and the only thing we had thought was we weren't sure if he was going to actually stay, but um, which obviously we, we know how that went. Neither, but, uh, neither of them stayed. Neither of them ended up staying, right? So uh, so I actually called Coach Yano to tell him I was going to commit to Temple, and uh, me and my family, we sat around the table, we were like, let's do it. You know, I, I'd, They had really had nobody at the quarterback position. They were looking for somebody to come in and have a chance to compete right away. It was They had a great uh, sports management program, so it was... It just seemed like a good fit. It was, I think, about an hour from home. So I called Coach, and literally within 30 minutes, he had almost completely flipped me. Like a 30-minute phone call, and I just remember we, like, we hang up the phone, and he's like, all right, I want you to call me back. And he said something crazy, like 22 minutes or 23 minutes. Like not like 25, not 20. With and that's his it. schedule, you and better if you do know, it. Yeah. Exactly. If you know Coach Yano, that's perfectly fitting. So... Of course, like, I waited. I, I hung up the phone, immediately, like, yelled, Mom, come downstairs, Dad, come downstairs. Like, we got to talk now. And uh, after, like, probably 17 minutes, I'll say, you know, I made the decision, like, hey, let's let's go for it. You know, it's 30 minutes from home. I mean, Alpin basically funnels kids to Rutgers, so it was, it was a perfect fit. Um, so, obviously, I wait till it hits the 23-minute mark to call. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how I ended up at Rutgers. It was just a crazy day. Um, but... Yeah, that, that's where it started. You talk about funneling kids to Rutgers. I, I, my freshman year, my next door neighbor was a Manalpin kid. Oh, they're and, all over the place. And the greatest Rutgers basketball manager in program history, Seth Mucha, who we oh, know, yes. is a good friend of mine too. We started at the same time, so I've been hearing about you for a while. <laughs> Seth from, is the man from them, but Greg Schiano. I mean, you're not the only person that he flipped. I'm right. guessing. How did he do it, and how did he do it so quickly? <sighs> He was he was a great recruiter, obviously, as as many of us know. But he just had a way with words. I mean, it, he spoke with a lot of conviction, a lot of confidence. I mean, if if you've ever met Coach Hano, you know, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But um, obviously, I I love the place. I, I'd known so many kids who had gone here. I'd been up here as a high school kid, you know, partying, having fun, whatever it was. So it wasn't like Rutgers was some random place out in Nebraska where I'd never heard or or, or something like that. So. Um, it just kind of all came together, and you know, like I said, it, being 30 minutes from home, I was a family-oriented kid. 
even though my parents will, will always say I'm not as family oriented as they would want me to be, but <laughs> I had known a lot of kids that went here, and so it kind of just worked out. Knowing how your career happened out at Rutgers, you didn't play a lot. Right. Do you regret not trying Temple because of that? Um, no, I, I can't say that at all because I've learned so much from the people that I spent time around, and that for me was the first time where I was kind of faced with adverse, like real adversity. Um, where like you know you kind of everybody comes from high school and they're like the guy right so you, you all get here and then it's, well now who are the actual guys right and then you go to the next level and it's who are the guys there but I learned I was able to learn so much I mean just looking back on it you have two different head coaches four different offense coordinators in four years which that streak is still still rolling um, it's never ending <laughs> right never ending so I, I can't say I regret it I, I have friends for, for, for a lifetime um, I learned so much uh, and again, just being so close to home, knowing so many people here, my social life paired with my athletic life, with academics all together, it was, I can't say, I'm not one to live in regret. You know, would it have been different? Sure. But, you know, I can't say I regret it or I wish I would have gone there at all now. I, I think the average fan would look at it and be like, well, he never started, so why? Right. Of course it didn't work out. But then I look at it or you look at it and you're about to get your master's degree out of this, and you've had an opportunity to coach yep. at a pretty high level, and I, I, I mean, we'll talk about this, but I think you're gonna keep trying to do that. Right. So I look at it as, of course it was successful. Yeah. And on top of that, I mean, you're the you're the, the Heisman of holders. If you ask anyone that watched a, a young long snapper <laughs> try and learn his position. Right. That's a one, see, to this day, if there's one frustrating part about the whole thing forget about even playing it's it's the fact that they come out with a holder of the year award the year after i finish when if you would have stacked up my eight eight best holds like you put together my eight clip highlight tape there's not a holder power five division one division three i don't care what it is that that's stacking up i was bringing home that award without question so that's one thing that i look back and i'm uh, i'm a little frustrated over but i think if you, you think about it from when i think about it at least especially now coaching you know, when I was playing, I was like, oh, my God, we got another coordinator coming in, another coordinator coming in. It's hard to it's hard to ever take that next step developmentally, right? Because your judges are coaches. But, you know, how do you evaluate talent? How do you develop the talent? So when you have a new guy stepping in constantly, it's hard to ever get past, you know, the Pop Warner level because you're just relearning things or you're, you know, whatever when you're when you're playing. But when you're co when, now that I'm coaching, it's, it's probably the greatest thing ever because now I have four different people very successful people who all had different ways of painting a picture and now I'm able to use four different perspectives or four different ideas four different thoughts on how to take advantage of certain things that you know not now all have kind of come together I've been able to morph together kind of well and you look at where those coordinators end up and one of them hired you right I mean but they, that's the other challenge of coaching is you're judged on how you recruit and how you develop kids, or sometimes you're not judged at all. You come right. to Delaware, and, and within, I guess, eight months, the staff is fired. Sure. Like that's just, it's a cutthroat business. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the part that I have I personally have always wrestled with is, you know, especially, like, I'm lucky I'm 23, but if you have kids, you got a family, you know, you can be the great, like, I could be the greatest quarterback coach in the country, but if the head coach gets fired, chances are, especially if you're a quarterback guy or you're an offensive coordinator, whatever it is, chances are, you know, you're, you're following out the door. So that's the only tough part of business but again it comes with comes with the territory something that i've talked about on this show before and i think you can sympathize with is coaches that get fired kyle flood was fired for a lot of problems that had nothing to do with football right and every assistant 
no matter how well they did their job, became a victim of that. Sure. And now it's been more than a year and you're just seeing guys get jobs in operations mm -hmm. and quality control. Yeah. Whereas if he was fired for football reasons, it's totally different. You have guys sure. that are tainted that didn't do anything wrong. Right, exactly. I mean, it's it's a tough, it's such a bad business now. And again, social media, all this stuff has kind of given people a platform. Like, this is the way I view social media, at least. Like, people now have a platform who, whether or not they deserve the platform, like they now have the platform to voice their opinions. So that's why you see guys like, like Les Miles and guys who, Bo Pelini, even though a great fake Twitter account, but. Big fan, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Guys who win nine, ten games and like win national championships, we're getting fired now, and it's just like, what the, you know what I mean? It's crazy. So it's, it, it's, it's a tough business. It's a cutthroat business, like you said, and it's, it's just part of the way it goes. Were Were you surprised at all when you saw the the NCAA allegations against Rutgers, or did you kind of think that was coming based on your time here and some of the stuff you saw? No, I was, I was surprised honestly. Again, I, taken some time away by that come that time that they actually came out, but. I mean, man, uh, yeah, it was tough. It was tough to see just the way it all shook out, especially knowing some of those guys, Coach Flood in particular, an awesome person, awesome person who truly cared about the players. You know, it was tough to see that all go down, but again, it's 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 just part of part of the way this shakes out sometimes. So when when you were here, you didn't see any of this drug testing, recruiting hostesses, all the kinds of stuff that's being thrown out no, there. Right no, I didn't see any of the recruiting stuff. I mean, I. I wish that that was that was some stuff, right? <laughs> um, but I mean, we were drug tested. I was drug tested. I mean, it got to a point where my senior year, the quarterbacks, we had a, a running joke. Like, like we were getting tested every week. So I was like, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. Again, I, I'm not that personally familiar in detail with all of the stuff. So I, it's hard for me to right. actually speak honestly and truthfully about it because I don't really know down to the detail about it, and so. It's difficult, but I, I would have never seen that coming and then everything, that the way it shook out now. For, for you, what's it like being someone, you were in that locker room, and look, there's 80, 85% of that locker room was good kids, guys that have graduated, guys like you that are getting into coaching, getting master's degrees. Mm -hmm. Is it tough to see that other 15% that's kind of ruined the, the reputation? I mean, Rutgers was, and it is now. It's considered to be a good program with right. good kids, but for... Two years, people didn't look at it that way. Sure, sure. And it, it's tough to see that. Part of it is, I mean, we live in such a bad area media-wise, and I know <laughs> you're going to hate that. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. You can lead the charge, but it's so negatively. <laughs> I agree with you. You know what I mean? Like, And we live in such a headline world now where all you see is the headline, and you just scroll through Twitter or whatever it is, and the headlines will kill you. And that's why it's so hard, especially being in this area, to, to be successful. I mean, look at the Knicks. Like, we can't even get a, a star, like a player to come here and with a Maybe you should treat Charles Charles Oakley. Right, exactly. That's true. That's true. But I am a Wizards fan. We just get ignored, so it's one well, or the other. You got some good players. Though, yeah, but so no one will bit. know that. True. We don't get true. any headlines. Right, exactly. Um, what? Uh, so I have some what happened when questions. And my first question, I remember, first time we met, you beat Shalee Calhoun. Uh, you are both Fact. your senior year. Yep. Uh, I think you threw for five touchdowns. Something like that. I don't remember. Um, it was at their place, too, yep. I believe. But that uh, it was the first time we met, and uh, uh, before... Roughly around that same time period was when, I guess a couple months later, Savon Huggins committed. Mm -hmm. So what do you remember about that day? Because I remember talking to you. Neither of us really knew where he was going. Right. We, we were around the same age, so we talked a lot. Yeah, we yeah. knew some of the same people. And then you just showed up in the library. like. I remember him telling me that week, 
you know, come, you know, bring your family, bring whoever you want, just, you know, come to the, and obviously I've been recruiting Savon at that point, you know, daily pretty much. You're the quarterback, that's your job. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I'm on him, I'm on him, I'm on him. I've been trained, I trained with him a little bit. That was when I was working out with Miles Schuler a little bit too. Um, and uh, I just remember him being very invitive for that meeting. I'm, and in the back of my head, I'm thinking, like, why would you, like me personally, I would never tell another kid, like, if I know I'm not going there, like, I'm not going to tell you to bring Especially Manalpin to Jersey City. That's, yeah, a, that's good, a hefty that's drive. Hour, probably. I think there was some snow on the ground, too. It was yes. tough on the parking spot, um, if I remember correctly. Yes, sir. Yep. And then I just remember the whole fallout from it with, with the UNC thing and then him taking that, the hat off. And I was like, oh, my God, here we go. And so, uh, yeah, it was a great day. Great day. I remember being there. That was, that was an awesome experience. It was one of my first experiences with the media issues you're talking about is – one of my best friends, who's done great in his career, but at the time he was stringing for another paper covering it. He mm -hmm. was, I think, a Rutgers student with me at the time. He tweets, Saban Huggins to UNC, and everyone <laughs> runs with it. And right. five seconds later, he takes the UNC hat off for yeah. Rutgers hat. Like it's Yeah, it's crazy. Everyone, You want to be the first. You want to be the first, and that's that'll, that'll kill you. If you ain't first, you're last. Exactly. So that's, that's the tough part about this. What do you remember about your National Signing Day? Uh, national Signing Day was, was great. I mean, it was... Obviously, it was a half day, so that was the that was the first positive. I got to get out of school a little early. Uh, another bad weather day. Another bad getting, weather getting day. Getting from New Brunswick to Manalpa was rough. Tough, for yeah. Day. <laughs> uh, for me, it was it was rather interesting, and it's you know it's funny I'll bring this up, but at the time I was dating uh, a girl who committed to Rutgers, ultimately became a captain at Rutgers here. Very uh, very good soccer player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so for us, it was it was amazing because it's like we're both signing. You know what I mean? We're both going to Rutgers, both playing Division One, both have scholarships. Um, so it was a great, I mean, it was a fantastic all-around day. And at that point, I'd, Manalpin had not, you know, churned out many Division One players. Obviously, a few followed. Um, so it was, it was kind of a big deal, and, you know, it was great. It was great all-around. A lot of guys, a lot of my friends were there, family, so it was, worked out well. Well, I guess you say a lot of guys followed. Uh, one that didn't is Saeed Blacknall. Yeah. What happened? With the way I saw it, yeah. um, you, you have an interesting perspective here, and we yeah. discussed it off camera, off recorders before. But yeah. what happened? Um, well, he, had, I finally got him to commit, right? So I mean, I shouldn't say I, like we as a whole, but I had been obviously recruiting him for a long time at that point, and I remember him the day he committed with his dad up in Coach Flood's office, how excited they were, and I truly believe, I mean, to this day, he wanted to actually come here, and then, you know. It, the shake-up, I know, uh, what year was that? I think that was Coach Prince had just yeah. left, right? Ralph Regan was the guy that was eventually hired. Then. Eventually hired, but wasn't hired for a while, right? And he, uh, I know, I remember Saeed and talking to him and just continuing to try and talk him away, talk, you know, talk him and, and bring him back and bring him back. But, you know, ultimately for him, he had to make the best decision for, for himself. And that's really all this ever comes down to is can you live with the decisions you make and, and whatnot. And I just remember he was frustrated there, that there was no – coordinator in place at the time and I mean rightfully so like if you're looking at it looking at it on the other side you're not just going to hire a, anybody just to get them in the door so you can you know bring in hopefully save or recruit or, or whatnot so I mean it was just it's a battle of what's best for us what's best for me and you know ultimately he had to make that decision which I mean I I, I fully supported him hey, anyway. worked out in the Rose Bowl exactly right wherever exactly. wherever no Big Ten Championship right yeah didn't work out in the Rose Bowl. Did not work out in the Rose Bowl. The perception among us and a lot of people in recruiting is that Saeed was told we'll have a 
coordinator in place for you to meet on your visit, and, mm -hmm. and that didn't happen. Right. You think that was the problem at the end of the day? Uh, you know, obviously that's he would have to answer that question, but I mean, I think that played a part, and it. it's hard to sign. I mean, the way it's done now, you're basically signing your life away initially when you sign that sheet of paper, and if you're going to sign something where you have even the slightest bit of uncertainty, you probably shouldn't do it. No matter where the school is, if you can honestly say, you know, I don't know, it's probably not the right spot. And so for him, I think that that, that was probably a, uh, an issue for him, just not knowing really the direction, what was going on. Plus at that time there had been kind of a free fall, right? We lost a lot of commits that year. Is that the same year yeah, that there were several commits that yeah, decommitted that year? a lot. So again, and then, you know. You know how I feel about the media and how negative they are. So, everyone except Scout. Right, exactly. No. Except for you. No, I, I can be plenty negative. <laughs> um, speaking of negative, I think that during your time, the probably the most hated or disliked person at Rutgers was Gary yeah. Nova. Right. Not from me. I am a huge Gary Nova fan. Right. And that's a big reason why a lot of Rutgers fans don't like me is because I often supported him staying right. as a starter, right. winning the job. Mm -hmm. What is it like for you as a backup as right. a guy competing with him as a friend of his mm -hmm. to see him go through that and every time there's a competition to see him win it what was that um, like? I mean it was interesting because obviously I mean even to this day I mean he's one of my best friends I was with him a couple weeks ago but it was tough I mean it was tough on him I mean it, it to go through that again it nobody truly understands like the new like this area of media is so much different than everywhere else yeah. like and until you're and actually Chris a part Ash of is it, learning that now, right? A lot exactly. Of at Rutgers. Exactly. So I mean, it's it was tough though. I mean, I he, he did such a great job though at just trying to keep his head down and, and work. Um, the thing about like everybody asking like, oh, what was like competing this and that? It wasn't like ever, you know, we were competing at receiver where like, oh, if I run a better route, I'm gonna get the ball if I'm open and if he's not. Yeah. You know, it was quarterback. We're competing at quarterback, but like when he's out there, like I have no control over what he does when I'm out there he has no control over what I do so it's not like it's different than competing at you know a different position where you can both be on the field at the same time or or whatnot um at the end of the day though I mean he he won the job and it was rightfully so I mean it was deserved I I, I don't I don't live in like a bias like hey I'm the greatest ever you know you're the greatest the holder ever that's that's a different yeah ever without question that's a different story I'll own that but you know it was it, it I was real with myself. At times, it was frustrating. Don't get me wrong, because obviously you want to play and you want to you want to be the guy and and whatnot. Um, but I mean, for me, I never let any of that, you know. And he he would say the same thing, you know, trump our relationship on and off the field. I mean, we were very very close from pretty much the get go, um, and still to this day. And so for me, it was okay. Like this is the reality of it. Either I can pout and you know turn my shoulder, or I can figure out how to find ways for us to win and help us win and so that's why you know I became valuable off the field you know what I mean not necessarily playing but helping him you know understand things what I was seeing what adjustments we could make things like that so I mean I would never I mean I, again I would never let that trump our relationship ultimately and ultimately I was very competitive still am so I mean I wanted to win at all costs so so the conspiracy theory, and again, this is where your friends in the media come in, because I think <laughs> someone had to have written this or tweeted it, is that Gary Nova played at Don Bosco Prep, you're a public school kid, Chase Dodds from South Carolina. <laughs> that's why he, That's why he. four different coordinators chose Gary Nova. Right. Fact or fiction? Uh, I'm going to go with fiction. 
Slightly. <laughs> I think the basketball part plays a little hint to it, but not fiction fact. What about what makes you say that about Bosco? Or is that just taking a shot at, uh, no, I'm at sorry. the Iron Man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. But, uh, I mean, hey, if, it, if it's all even and, you know, you're going to pull kids from Bosco, I mean, that's part of the business again. I mean, didn't some guy just get fired down in Alabama because he won't re- let kids, Saban recruit his kids or something yeah, like that? Yeah, huh? and they had an issue in Louisiana on? about that. And, oh, and yeah. It, yeah, Louisiana, that's what it was. So, I mean, you see it go on all over the place. It's, I mean, it's part of the biz. So part of the biz, you get to recruit a little bit during your time at Delaware. Obviously, you're not a full-time, you know, nine-person assistant, so you're not on the road, thankfully, which right. is just the worst. Right. But you get to recruit some. You recruited some guys that I believe Rutgers ended up signing, right. including Elijah Barnwell. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you doing the recruiting? Because you did it as a quarterback in a recruiting class, and yeah. I know you followed it at least to a certain extent, I believe, Mm-hmm. Uh, I got at least one angry message from your grandfather back in uh, oh, really? the recruiting time. So I know <laughs> that there were some Bamante people on scout. Oh, they're very protective. That's, <laughs> we're Italian, so that's why you go. Yeah, but my point is you followed it sort of as a fan and also as a player, so not doing it as a coach, what was that like for you? Uh, it was interesting. It was, it was a lot of fun. Again, I wasn't initially, I was just a quality control guy, and then when I got promoted to the quarterback coach, um, it kind of ramped up sort of, but we'd already had commitments in place. I didn't get there until uh, May. So I was after junior day. I was after kind of spring ball because I was finishing up a semester at Monmouth. Um, And then the summer's a dead time. So it's like I didn't really all that much involve myself in recruiting because when the season ended November 19th, again, we were we knew kind of we were out the door and a lot of guys weren't going to be around and new staff was coming in. We knew a new guy was going to get hired and, you know, They'll obviously take it from there and right. do official. We couldn't do official visits without a head coach, so um, I wasn't as involved as I probably would have been had I gotten there a earlier or b stayed on longer. So a couple Delaware questions first for the Delaware fans listening. Um, you and I both know Bobby Darren, who works at Rivals. Oh yeah, uh, he's real, real close family wise with Wes Hills. Oh yeah, how much of a star is that kid? Uh, an absolute baller. And I'll say that flat out, honestly, Wes is a not only the right skill, but the like a great person. Like works himself into the ground day in and day out. Great leader. I mean, like I can tell one one story, like one sentence, I guess, to sum it up. When we voted for captains, I want to say like he had gotten upwards of eighty-five or at least eighty plus out of the ninety-two, I think, possible votes to be a captain if you get over 90 percent of the votes like you know you're doing something right because that doesn't happen everywhere so um i actually didn't know he was good friends with or close family friends with wes until i want to say like we were at lafayette or somewhere and like i think wes gets hurt and and i'm like bobby what what the hell you do like what are you doing here and like wes ends up telling me how they know each other and whatnot but uh great person um unbelievable special teams player like a, a, a great, great kid all around. Loved, loved coaching him. Loved being around him. Yeah, I think he has a chance on Sundays for sure. I do as well. Absolutely. If you can stay again, you know, injury free as always. Yeah, who knows with the new coaching staff? Um, another Delaware question: Henry Baker. What do you think Rutgers has there? You coached with. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, another great guy. Somebody who will relate to the kids very well, which is very important at you know at this juncture. Um, the corner, I mean, the guys, secondary guys loved him. He coached the corners at Delaware. Corners loved him. He's got a lot of energy, uh, a lot of swag to him. 
and uh, you know he's the type of guy who you know jump around, run around, do those type of things. So I'm sure the guys here will enjoy him. Is this like a PJ Fleck, Jeff Halfley level of jumping around, or more of like Jim uh, Panagos jumping around? What level of insanity, insanity are we talking here? I don't think we're not talking that level of insanity because PJ would just take off and sprint 60 yards in, in the blink of an eye, and he he won't do that. But he'll be you know he'll be hopping around, handshakes, that type of stuff, trying to get guys going. So. I mean, you'll you'll have to be the judge for that. I'll, I'll let you know. We'll see <laughs> if Coach Ash lets us into practice this spring, I'll let you know. Are you guys not in practice? Uh, very rarely. Really? Uh, yeah. Well, that's tough. We're the media. We're evil. Right. You know how it is. We're evil. It's your you see, fault. that's that's a thing. Like, if you said to me, like, okay, Mike, you took over Rutgers today. What's the first thing you do? And again, I'm not in that I'm not in that seat, so I don't know. But I would say, like, just give the media complete access to everything. You say that even this, though you also are on record hating the media. Hating the media in this area because it's so negative. So how do you, you have to, again, you have to pick your poison. So like, you can either continue that negative relationship, however you want to go about it, or you can just say, hey, guys, listen, here's the reality of the situation. We, I need you guys to help me, and you need me to help you. So why don't we figure out a way to make this work? Like, I'll give you unlimited access to whatever you want, but you got to repay the favor. You know what I mean? And that. I mean, isn't that the way business works in general? So, I mean, that's the first thing I would do is, again. You sound a lot like a guy that played for Greg Schiano because that was very similar to his philosophy. Really? And you sound like a guy that is about to get his master's degree in communications. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, there you go. I mean, that's, I mean I'm just being honest because it, it's hard. Again, it, especially, we live in such a, I mean, the millennials now, it, social media is so heavily vested now. And you if you just scroll through and, I mean, I wasn't that familiar because I couldn't watch the games all that much this year because, we, again, we were coaching on the same day. So when I would just get on my phone at on Saturday nights or whatever and just scroll through and see some of the – because, again, all you see is, is the headline nowadays, and it, it, they're so negative and so bad. So it's hard. It's hard to get kids to come. Like, you know what I mean? It, it, all, we factor all that in. So I, I think part of that, and, and this is a very – this is a very nerdy communications journalism concept, but part of that is also readers don't read positive stories. You know, like I, I could I write about Eric Legrand or how Rutgers had all these players in the Super Bowl, and right. no one no one reads it, no one clicks on it. Mm-hmm. But if I criticize Chris Ash for losing some recruits, everyone loves it. Right, like, that's what they want to read. That's so crazy. part of it, part of it, I think, is on the fans to be more engaging. Sure. With the positive stuff. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Um, couple more questions here. I don't want to send you down 18 in rush hour. Right. I don't want to do that. I don't to want you. to do that either. So I'll give you a couple more here. What do you remember about the day Graciano left? Oh, uh, I think, so we had an off-season lift that morning, and, um, you know, we're just, we're in the weight room, or we're in the locker room getting ready to lift. I want to say it's like a 9 a.m. lift or something like that, 8, 30, 8 o'clock lift. Uh, and we see, like, a report just surface, like, Graciano in advance talks with, Buccaneers, like I think Adam Schefter had tweeted, and we were like, "What the?" Like out of nowhere, because we had we had had no idea. I guess we were completely caught off guard, and it was kind of kept quiet until like they were pretty much pretty advanced in, in in contract talks. So by the time we had literally gone in the lift and come out of the lift, it was like a done deal. Like he's the new new head coach, whatever. And like any. Like any time there's a head coaching change, I remember all the all the, all of us were like, oh, everybody's like, oh, we're transferring, you know, we're getting the hell out of here. And it's funny because the same thing happened at Delaware. 
Yeah. And it literally played out, you know what I mean, when, when Coach Brock was uh, was fired, the same thing happened. All the kids were like, hey, you know, I'm transferring, I'm getting out of here. That's just the you know, nature of 18 to 22-year-olds. But, um, And then I think I want to say later that day, you know, he was – he was just walking around in, in the hallways, and I'll, I'll never forget Paul James, PJ, telling me, like, he'd seen him in the hallway walking by him after he already knew, but we didn't have the team meeting yet. And he was, like, scared to say hello. And, like, hearing him tell the story is great, but eventually we had a team meeting, and, you know, the rest is history. And then I think part of where your hatred for the media comes is all of us attacking you guys in the parking lot. Like that oh, of thing. course. Yeah, yeah like, that was crazy. O- Officer Kenny Ford had to, like, <laughs> keep us separated. I do remember it was that. so I do uh, remember aggressive. That. Um, I call these the big three. It's the last three questions I'm going to ask. Uh, who's your favorite Rutgers player of all time, Rutgers athlete? Oof. Um, that's a tough question. Wow. That I played with my favorite athlete to be around, I would say, was... Mohamed Sanu just because he would do some insane things in practice I mean aside from playing receiver which obviously is very good at um, but I mean he would line up in you know Saturday morning throwing sessions and just kick a 55 yarder and like not warm up nothing like just hey hey line you know hold the ball and he'll kick it right through but you you held the hell out of that ball that that wasn't me that wasn't my I was JT Tartikoff he's a pretty good holder too he was I learned from somebody uh somebody who was up there, so uh, I would say him, he, he was my favorite athlete to be around just because of how well-rounded of an athlete he was. Uh, what's your favorite memory when you think about your time at Rutgers? Uh, um, hmm. Football-related or athletics-related, I would say sophomore year, I, it's tough to pick one. Sophomore year, the win at Arkansas was very... Uh, very memorable, or, or whatever the right word is. Memorable. Memorable. Yeah. Just because that was really, uh, you know, self-fulfilling for us and very gratifying. You know, we had known we were kind of good. They ended up ultimately having a, a down year, but they still had some some ball players, and that was our first SEC game, and and all that came with that. Um, my senior year, obviously, Michigan when we uh, when the stands rushed the field was great. Um, the, even the Louisville my sophomore year that we end up losing was again just an unbelievable environment and I would say those three and you know obviously I'm probably missing some off the top of my head but um, man yeah I would say those three that stick out and last question if you're you're Rutgers for one more day you get one more meal where are you going to go eat and what is your order oh Hansel uh, popcorn buffalo chicken crisps no tomato light hot sauce wedges in the crisp that is. I think it's about eight dollars and twenty three cents, if I remember correctly. It's probably like ten bucks now. You know is they it? moved it off Mine Street. So oh yeah, yeah. I was, I was still here for that. I'm not that. I'm not that okay, old. Okay, see, I am. Yeah, I remember. It, it sure, was there in the beginning. That question shows your age. Like, there's a group that'll say sanctuary. Like the Ray Rice era will say wow. sanctuary. Your era is Hansel and Griddle. That's my era too. Yeah. And now it's a place called Taqueria. That's like it's like a Chipotle type place on East End. Really? Yeah, it's cool. no, that wasn't even here when I was. Here. Yeah, it's brand new, but uh, that's the best way to show people's age. And I, I mean, I drive around now and I'm like lost because a lot of the. I mean, I'm shocked at what's been done since I've gotten here. I mean, even are they building a new men's basketball? Yeah, they are. Right? Yeah, you're right where you parked. They're building. They're building a hundred million dollar indoor practice facility. 
Okay. So not a new stadium. So we're keeping the rack. We're just building a practice facility. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, that's definitely needed. That's definitely needed. Yeah, you're, it's well, hard to get guys to come here with no practice. Well, they have this beautiful dark room that we're in right now. Right, exactly. That's um, true. Mike, last thing for Rutgers fans, where can they find you? How can they support you? Like interact with you? That kind of stuff. I, uh, I mean, I know you're between jobs right now, but you're not done coaching and you're getting your master's degree. Like, mm-hmm. just tell everyone what you're up to and if they want to support you, get in touch with you. That kind of stuff. Uh, I, well, now the beauty is, is social media. So Twitter, Instagram. Um, probably the two easiest way to get in touch with anybody now um but yeah that, that that's that's what i would say um i got some questions for you all right so you become the head coach today yeah of Rutgers football what's the first couple moves you're gonna make what's what's the road that needs to be taken well we need to win over the media okay I, I, honestly your answer about opening things up very close to mine i'd probably be a little selective in who I let in because there's some people that are just there to cause problems. Right. And I think that with my media expertise, you know, 10 years in the business, I right. know who the good people are. Okay. Uh, Bobby Darren, I think, is one of them we Absolutely. discussed. Uh, he would have full access. <laughs> um, you're hired. Okay. Definitely. Two for two. I, I don't know what. We'd have to interview you for that. I, I would say the biggest change that I would want to make is to make it more, make it feel more like New Jersey. I'm not from New Jersey, and I don't get it. But I know that I don't get it. Right. So, like, I want people like you, like like Gary Nova, like Mike Teal, or I want Jersey guys that get what Rutgers is and get what the challenge is. Right. Because it's not just another job. This is the weirdest place. Yeah. I mean, we're we're sitting in a dark room. It is. Like, <laughs> it's 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 the weirdest place. There's four different campuses that make no sense. Right. There's bus systems that don't make any sense. Absolutely. There's things that shouldn't be scandals that are. Mm-hmm. Like Pat Hobbs drinking a beer at a tailgate. Insane. Like, there's so many things that don't make any sense that Insane. I don't understand that I need people to help me understand right. it. Right, true, true. So I make Rutgers, uh, to make Rutgers great again, I just make it as that's, New Jersey as possible. Okay, that's, yeah. a good, that's good. Who is Since you've gotten here, who is your favorite Rutgers athlete? Uh, now, I mean, it's a cop-out, but Eric Legrand. Okay. But this, since I acknowledge that's a cop-out answer, Okay. Um. I'd say it was probably Mike Teal because he was the quarterback when I was a student here. Oh, okay. Special and time. Yeah, he, he won a couple games here. Right. Um, a little bit of success. It helps that he's at a he's a head coach now at a school that has a lot of recruits and Absolutely. a lot of recruiting, so maybe I need to suck up to him a little right, bit. Right, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, that, that would be my answer. All right. You got me. All right, am I dismissed? You're dismissed. All right, thanks, Mike. No problem. Thank you. Again, to Mike Bamonte for being my guest. You're here on episode 51 of the Rutgers Scout cast. When I decided to do this podcast about a year ago, I, I made my, my Cody Rhodes list of people that I thought would be fantastic guests, must-gets for this podcast. And Mike Bamonte was one of the first names that came to mind of someone that has a, he's got a story to tell and he didn't get a chance to tell a lot of that at Rutgers because look, when you're the holder and the second, third, fourth string quarterback, you don't get that same opportunity in the spotlight that some other players do. So I'm glad that you guys got to hear from him. I think he's a, a true Rutgers guy and that he went about everything the right way. He always got it done off the field, he, he was a good leader. He had a lot of friends on the team. Nothing but positive things to say about Mike Bamonte. And I, I think that a lot of you will have enjoyed hearing his take on the local media. 
I certainly don't disagree with some of the things he said about the local media. I quite enjoyed that commentary. So that was Mike Bamonte, and now it is time to open up the Rutgers ScoutCast mailbag. For those that don't know the Rutgers ScoutCast mailbag, just contact me any way you want, and I will make sure to consider your question. We pick two every week, one on-topic question, one off-topic question. And this week, going on-topic, the question came via Twitter, The question was from BK Hawk, and the question is, what would you want changed most in the Jerry Kill offense next year? I mean, I'd like the points changed most. How about some more points? I kid, I kid. I actually thought Drew Merringer's scheme was a pretty good one. It didn't work out, and Rutgers didn't have the talent, and we've discussed that a bunch of times, and and Rutgers still doesn't have all the talent it needs to be the high-power Houston, Tom Herman, Ohio State offense. But what I think that Rutgers did very well on offense, BK Hawk and everyone else out there listening, is added some pieces to make the offense a little bit more dynamic. And and I use the word dynamic, and I mean that it can be multiple. It can do different things. It's not just, let's do some read option, and they're either going to bite or they're not, and... Hopefully, Janarian Grant can break a tackle in the backfield. I mean, you have, if Jerome Washington can get healthy, you have him as a tight end. Let's see what Miles Nash can do as a tight end. You brought in a fullback. You brought in Travis Vokalek to be a receiving style tight end. I guess that's my answer in terms of scheme, and Rutgers is already working on it, is find way to be more multiple and be a little bit less predictable. Predictable can be predictable is not necessarily always a problem because you know what you can predict what the other teams doing a lot and they still are able to make plays. And when Rutgers was good, guess what? When it was first and 10, you were giving it to Ray Rice and he got 4 or 5 yards. Sometimes predictable is okay. Off topic question this week came from Bill on Twitter who asked the following Sam, I saw you and Sebastian Joseph going at it on social media this week. What gives? (laughs) Nothing gives. We were not going at it. Uh, And if we were, I I don't remember. I I barely remember what I tweet after I hit send. But if we were going at it, it was done in jest and ironically. um, One of the things I love about my job and about being near Rutgers, where I, I went to college for four years is that I can come back and be a part of the academic experience from time to time, which really means a lot to me. I very seriously paid attention to the guest speakers in the sports media world that came to speak to me when I was a Rutgers student. So whenever I get a chance to do that for people that are in school now, even even if they don't care about recruiting or care about the class of 2019, it means a lot to me. My dean who, I don't know, if you went to Rutgers, you might know him, but my uh, my dean, Professor Steve Miller, asked me and another Rutgers ScoutCast alum, Tyler Donahue, to come back and speak to one of his sports media classes this week. I, I do it once or twice a semester for some of the professors that I was close with in school. And lo and behold, 
who walks into that class right as the, uh, our lecture starts is one Sebastian Joseph. Sebastian Joseph is a Rutgers journalism student, and I think he's going to graduate in the fall and then pursue uh, some graduate school while he, he's training for the NFL. But anyway, Sebastian Joseph was one of the students in the class. I got a question from another student asking me asking me about personal experience playing sports and how that impacts my coverage. Basically, hey, did you ever play sports? Because there's two sides of... There's the guys that played and the guys that didn't, and I'm a guy that didn't really play. I, I played a little bit, and, and uh, my answer to her when she asked was, well, unless you count a little little interest in uh, junior varsity left tackle back in the day. And as soon as I said left tackle, Sebastian Joseph burst out laughing. Uh, he should. He's a 6'4", 300-pound defensive tackle that even in high school when he was 6'2", 245 pounds, would have destroyed 5'9", 220-pound left tackle Sam Hellman. So that was it. He laughed at the idea of me playing offensive line as he should have. No offense was taken. We'll see how critical I am of Sebastian Joseph this season. I'm kidding. I love Sebastian Joseph. He's one of my favorites. And go back and listen to him on the podcast. Scroll through your iTunes feed or if you're streaming this on scarletreport.com, you can find past episodes at the bottom of the article. Go find the Sebastian Joseph interview. He's a lot of fun. He'll be back on the show at least one more time going into his senior year. And uh, it, it was fun. Any other Rutgers teachers out there want, for some reason, you're crazy enough that you want me to speak to your kids, I'd love to. Hit me up. So that was the mailbag for this week. No need for an extended closure or extended close to the podcast. Thanks again to my guest, Mike Bamonte. I guess co-host this week because Mike was on the majority of the episode. Go ahead and send Mike a tweet or Instagram message or, I don't know, internets. I'm not good at the internets. Let Mike know you enjoyed it. Thank him for his time at Rutgers. Thank him for joining the show. Uh, let him know that he didn't waste his drive up to Route 18 to come talk to me in the rack broom closet. If you're interested in an extended free trial to scarletreport.com and have not yet contacted me via email, shelman at scout.com, please do so. The spots are limited in the free trial. We're starting to fill up with the spots that I can give with this extended trial for the podcast. So if you haven't reached out to me yet about it, do so soon. We're almost out of space for that. And we are now out of space for this episode. So it's time for me to stop recording. Go ahead and produce this episode. And I got a bunch of recruits to call tonight. So stay tuned to scarletreport.com for the latest. I am your host of the Rutgers Scoutcast, Sam Hellman. Thanks for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.